You're listening to We're Only Human, hosted by Ben Eubanks on the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network. We're Only Human focuses and highlights how modern technology and new ways of working are creating a more people-centric workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.h3hr.com. Greetings, everyone. This is Ben Eubanks, host of We're Only Human, a podcast about the intersection of people and technology in the workplace. Today, we're going to explore a topic that I've been researching for quite some time because it really fascinates me. I've talked about this concept of talent mobility in the past, but the conversation today is a real deep dive into the idea that we not only can develop our workforce, but that we must develop our workforce if we want to be competitive. My guests today are Carson Bush and Laura Fuller of Lumess, and both are full of energy. One real fun highlight of the conversation is when Carson actually answers a question that I have thought about for many, many years, and you probably have as well, which is, why do many companies hire external candidates when they run the risk of demoralizing a perfectly good internal candidate at the same time? He gives a really sharp answer to that question, and you ought to listen so you can catch that. I was over here taking notes during the conversation because he and Laura just had some really great insights to share, and I really enjoyed this conversation. Also, in case you're interested, Lighthouse is doing an upcoming webinar with Lumess to further explore this topic and to get really granular about some com- how some companies are actually leveraging this in practical ways. So I'm going to talk about industry giants like Georgia Pacific, tech firms like Hootsuite, and others. So be sure to check out the show notes for the URL to register for that webinar. In addition, at the end of the show today, I mentioned a special bonus that is exclusively available for those that register for the webinar. Now, on with the show. Greetings, everybody. This is Ben Eubanks with Lighthouse Research and host of We're Only Human. We're really excited to have you here today. It's going to be a really fun conversation. You know, I can't walk away from a conversation with um, at least one of the participants today without just feeling more excited about life and more passionate in general. And uh, again, we're going we're gonna to meet our two new guests really quickly. Um, I'm so pumped to have them here. Um, first up, we're going to have Karsten Bush. He's the CEO of the Talent Management Business Unit at Lumess. Karsten, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, great to have this fun session tonight or today. And uh, unfortunately, I'm German, so um, we are known not to be very funny, but I can assure you that we know how to organize to have fun. <laughs> I have, I have no doubt at all. And we also have uh, Laura Fuller here. She's the country sales manager U.S. for Lumess. Laura, welcome. Hi. Thank you so much, Ben, for having us today. We're really excited to talk about um, the topic at hand, and it's something that's near and dear to my heart. So hopefully, it comes through on our conversation. Absolutely. Well, before we jump into the topic, I want to ask you both really quickly, just to, something to let everybody get to know you a little better. You know, we know your job title, we know where you work, but tell us, other than, um, I guess, Karsten, you don't, have a, you don't have a sense of humor because you're German. That might be a fun fact about you. Um, but let, let everybody get to know you just a little bit before we jump into the conversation, because it's, uh, just the podcast medium I know is very, very informal, very personable, and I'd love for people to just get to know a little more about you before we dive into the conversation around talent ability okay. and talent management. So overall, I'm um, over 20 years in the um, HR IT business, and I'm one of the founders of Executrack. And Executrack is also a brand that is well known in the States. 
and uh, we have founded ExecuTrack in uh, 2001, while it was before already um, developed and, and sold in the States. So we founded the company ExecuTrack 2001 in Germany and were, were one of the first pioneers who developed a telemanagement solution, um, especially for performance management and succession management. So I've seen uh, a lot of changes in the industry, and I'm, I'm really happy to, to be still there because uh, there's a lot of um, thing, new things happening and a lot of change, and I think it's also very important that uh, the HR department and the company changes because it's not about um, the IT only, it's about also a cultural change and a changing of the mindset of the HR people. Absolutely, and it's interesting. We could get into a debate, I guess, on on which has been more more of a change, right? The kind of the mindset around HR as a business practice versus just pure administration and compliance, or you know, the technology piece of that, and how that's really enabling those things to change more so than just you know, for a long time when it was just let's dump a lot of information into this database and you know store it here versus using that data to to do something actionable. So those are you know two big changes definitely that you've seen, and and I would agree with with those. Um, as well. Excellent. Laura, tell us something about you. A um, bit about me. I've been in this space for over 15 years. Um, one of the exciting um, adventures that I've gone on while selling technology into HR is that I was the, the country manager for um, a company called Broadbean in APAC. Mm -hmm. So one of my passions is traveling. So not only did I get to open up an organization in another country, I've gotten to travel the world with it. So that's really something that's passionate to me. Um, and also with being over in a, another country and a whole other part of the world, I've been able to see and have um, visibility into how different country, countries and cultural differences happen across the whole talent management and the whole talent management um, organization. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that's uh, that's another one of those things where where it's very easy to to kind of lose some of those things in translation, or not realize how different different pieces of the world can be in terms of their preferences, even for for how how technology is seen and, and everything else. Um, I was at an event yesterday, and that was it was very interesting. We had you know the the Australian crew, you know, a handful of people that had come from New Zealand and Australia, and um, just the way that they approached the, the conversation and everything was wildly different than, than the, the Americans in the group or the you know, Europeans even. And so it was fun to kind of watch that dynamic. And I can imagine, you know, being on the sales side, talking to a lot of practitioners and connecting with people that are doing this every day, you get to see kind of a wide variety of that too. So it's really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Keeps, it, keeps you on your toes. <laughs> right. Well, you said twenty. You're, uh, you said more than fifteen years, so you must have started when you were, you know, five or so. Because, um, uh, yeah. Yep, All right. Yep, that's right. I'm kind of butter you up for the hard questions later, right? So, one of the things I said a minute ago is something I want to come back to. So, for a long time, you know, Carson, you've seen this. You know, talent management systems and others have really served as this repository of data. You know, I mentioned you mentioned uh, you know HR kind of changing its approach and changing its tact. You know, it's not just about storing things and being compliant and checking the block anymore. Now we're seeing more of a, an option and an opportunity to use technology as a way to help people, individual people, not just you know the administrators or the managers, but the people at the other end of the spectrum, the employees that are trying to do the work every day. We're trying to help them in their careers, help them develop themselves and grow. And the conversation today really is around talent mobility and how, how that is kind of 
shaping how organizations are, are handling the talent management practices. So I'm curious, kind of what is Lemez's take on this concept around changing from that traditional model of just dump the data in and you know, store it versus really having this living, breathing way for employees to kind of manage and direct their own careers? I think what's important is to understand is that the HRIT market um, 20 years or even 10 years ago was a market that was completely focused on the HR department. So when we developed in 2001 um, our solution, we talked to the HR department and discussed how to help the HR department to execute um, the processes but also to help to, to do their work. And what everybody forgot about this was um, the talent at the center. So now, uh, this is in the whole market still the case that most of the systems that are out in the market are completely focused on optimizing the HR process and not on optimizing to develop the talent. So um, when you talk to a lot of companies and the feedback of um, a lot of customers, but also um, customers of, of other providers, they say that talents uh, don't like to use the system. UI is not, we say, very um, consumer-oriented, um, and, um, and they are. It feels like they are helping HR to do their job, and it's not helping the talent to um, develop their career or to get better. And um, this, is a, this is due to the fact that uh, the processes start at the HR department and the um, employee is only one element of this. So what needs to change and what we are going to change um, also with our um, new um, software that is a completely new generation of talent management solution is that we put the talent in the center of the process. And um, this, is, this is also the reason why we have developed a completely new version on software because if you start to develop a software that is talent-centric, you need to define all your processes and, and everything you want to do. You need to start with the employee and not with the HR department. So that's very important. Um, and uh, so the, 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 it must be a very active approach. So the talent must have the opportunity to drive their own career and to tell the organization and the HR department what they want to do and not wait before they get approached or that somebody uh, tell them uh, where opportunities are. So um, this is a completely um, change of, of the culture that the talent will drive the career themselves and not the HR department will tell the, uh, the, the talent what opportunities he has. Hmm. I, I also think, um, Ben, one of the things that, that shifts too is the way that HR looks at um, who, their, who their customers are, right? And they, they understand that the, the reason why they're, um, the employees or the managers aren't using the platform is because it might not be user-friendly or it's HR-driven um, or it's not something that's easily for them to have UI and, and quickly execute because their job isn't just um, working within that, that talent management system. Uh, manager's job is to manage the team, look at the profitability, hit the bottom line, right? Um, the employees are looking at looking for themselves, it, getting the development that they need, um, executing, and then getting the bottom hitting the bottom line. So I think also the concept around um, moving more to that people centric is really highlighting that HR is now looking at who their customers are, 
and addressing what their customers are telling them of what they need. And, and mind you, the traditional way of doing things are not going to go away, but we need to be able to uh, be agile and offer multiple ways to capture the data that will allow you to then expand, right, and allow you to either um, be able to build your own career path or have someone help you build that career path by identifying you. I think what's important is that um, this employee-centric approach comes on top uh, what we have already in the company, so the HR processes are not going away. But it, in, the, in the, the classic approach is the HR department identifies the talent, he goes to the talent and discuss and agree on a development plan and on a career path. And uh, what is completely missing here is the opportunity that the talent can proactively look where they want to go to, what they need to, uh, to do to develop in this direction and plan their own career path and also plan, plan their development and so on. So it must be both. It must be the organization that identifies the talent and helps them, but also it must enable the talent to um, find the best path uh, inside the organization. And we talk a lot to customers to say, oh, we can't give the transparency to the people. It will create expectations. And if you're not able to fulfill the expectations, the people will leave. But if you don't give this transparency to the people, they will leave anyway, because outside in the world, in social media with LinkedIn, there is transparency of how you can develop outside of the company. And uh, this is a big mistake. So the companies need to be more open, more transparent. And in the U.S. market, people are definitely looking for change. They don't stay with companies for 40 years. Um, they're always looking for the next thing that's going to further them in their educa education or in their career path. So it might be that they're looking external when they could have that great career path internal. So it's all around showing that transparency and, and not having the fear to, to do that as an organization too. Yeah, there's a handful of pieces of research that kind of back up a lot of those things that you guys are touching on, and it's, it's kind of fun to see because I didn't tell you what research I was going to talk about. I just mentioned, I told you I was going to talk about some research. And so the first one is, you know, Glassdoor's data says that um, 9 out of 10 users are open to considering another job. Basically, you reach out to me and I'd consider it. And that's, you know, loyal, they, people say it's loyalty is down, but also it's the fact that, like, like Karsten was saying, those development opportunities might not be there, or they're very heavy-handed, driven from the top, and the employee doesn't have a choice there. Some of Gallup's research actually says that um, one of the key reasons people leave a job is because they perceive that there are no development opportunities available. And that's not that there are no opportunities, but that they perceive that there aren't. Because again, they don't have that chance to opt in. They don't have that chance to raise their hand and say, hey, here's a direction I want to go. They have to just sit there and kind of wait for their manager, their HR team, someone else to, to develop them. And that's a very different kind of mindset. You know, maybe that was okay 20, 30, 40 years ago, but today people want to own their career. They want to own their development. And if they don't feel like they're going to get those things, they're going to move on. They're going to find another opportunity elsewhere. And again, really good, really good points you guys are, you're making around people wanting change, being very employee-centric, because um, that just changes the whole conversation. You know, for the last couple of years, I've seen multiple studies. It was interesting because at the very front end of it, I remember when it shifted, we were doing a, some research around talent management systems and performance, uh, performance management and learning and looking at the top things that people were looking for as buyers. And the, the 
items to get servicing at the top were ease of use, you know, intuitive interface, and things like that. And I was, at the time, I remember being kind of puzzled, like, why is this more important than other things? And now, again, hindsight 2020, it's easy to see that those things were starting to come to the top because they realized, wait a minute, we can't just push this on the employees anymore because it doesn't matter. They don't care. It doesn't engage them. It doesn't excite them. And we're not getting the value out of the system we need to. So we need to create something, find something that we can put in place that allows those employees to have more control over that conversation, to have more control over their development and so on. And it's part of that is the technology piece and part of that is the process piece, right? Yeah. So how are you guys seeing companies, you know, your clients, your customers, changing some of their traditional processes to be more focused on that employee growth aspect, you know, performance management, succession, any of those kind of areas? Yeah, as I said before, so um, we're seeing that there are adding these processes on top of the processes they already have. So the say, annually assessment of the performance of the potential of the people won't go away so fast. Um, but by giving the tools to the people um, will enable the people to have more influence um, on uh, what they want to do. And this will drive a completely different conversation. So um, also the managers need to enable the employees um, to, 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 uh, to be able to take control of their career. So um, it's, it's, it's a completely different um, approach to have an employee um, to decide also or to influence their career instead of having somebody to decide where you, where you can go. And, and this is something that most of the um, uh, HR department want to have because the feedback of their customers, of the managers and employees is, is relatively negative about the work. So HR departments are not seen uh, really as a business partner in most of the organizations. And uh, as I said before, they are, most of the employees think this is an administration and department who um, drives uh, the performance process um, to calculate my bonus at the end, but it's not helping me at all really to develop in, 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 within the company. And I think by providing such employee-centric tools, we'll, get, um, yeah, we'll also drive a, a different view um, and reputation of the HR department. And, and this is something where the HR department needs to develop mm. and to I also think um, from ours, there's, there's two ways. The HR department will still have that traditional and, and want to see that traditional succession planning, right, happening where um, they are going to look at that top, those top positions, right, which ones are the ones that if they don't have someone succession planned into it, um, it's going to cost their company millions of dollars at the end of the day, right, or, or it's going to have a, lot, a very large hit to their bottom line. But also, what we're also addressing with it for being people-centric is, hey, keep those top positions that you're looking at, but also allow your talent to put themselves into a talent pool where as you're looking at the domino effect of these positions, these top positions being filled, you're also thinking for all the next ones, what shifts up? What does that pool look like? And it's not necessarily just driven by the managers putting those candidates in the pool or, a, or recruiters putting it in the pool, but the talent might want to put themselves in that pool and say, hey, look at me. Instead of going through an external or internal process where they have to reapply, they put themselves forward within their talent management platform to say, hey, look at me. Look at the skills that I have. Look at the considerations. Look at the projects that I've been on. 
like the development I've done within the organization and having it all together and visible will allow you to execute um, and save up some time for, for those positions that are basically shifting up. So the classical succession uh, process was um, that a manager nominated the talent into a pool and what is going to change is that also the employee can nominate himself into a talent pool. So the classical succession plan process also had a, a name-to-box approach. So we had have some key positions in the organization and planned a lot of, we say, two or three candidates per position, and uh, most of you know this. And, and it's also important because the key positions needs to be filled very fast. But the issue with this classical succession pro, uh, process is that it takes too long. It takes too long. It's not agile enough. So if, you, if it takes really six to 12 months and you agreed on a global succession plan, the world uh, has already, <laughs> is already in a completely different place. Mm -hmm. You never know if all the successors that you have discussed three, six months ago are still uh, available uh, or they right. already left the company. So They might be on LinkedIn finding a job. Mm -hmm. We need to have really an uh, agile approach, and this is the reason why um, this, um, this, um, this employee-centric approach where talent pools are more agile uh, by um, drive, the people drives uh, who's in the talent pool or not, is something that gives more flexibility um, to the company to react on uh, short-term uh, vacancies. It's very interesting. So one of the things that, that kind of that brings to mind for me, talking about being more employee-centric and allowing employees to opt in versus making it you know, a gated manager approval activity, is that that requires some level of maturity, right, and, or a culture that really supports that. Cause a, I can think of a lot of managers that I've had or that I've had working for me when I was in HR that would not have been comfortable with that kind of conversation. They would not have been cool with their employees saying, hey, I'd like to raise my hand for this assignment over here or this opportunity. You know, Laura's jump over into APAC sales. You know, if, if uh, her manager had been, you know, worried about keeping a hold of her and, and making sure she didn't, you know, leave his side or making sure that she didn't, you know, go and do something else because he needed her in that role that she was in previously. Some managers just aren't quite mature enough, it seems, to, to be able to make that kind of leap. Um, I know there are a couple of examples of companies that I can touch on that have, have done things there, but I'm curious what you, what your um, maybe rebuttal is, or your, your, how would you address that sort of thing? Um, you know, you're talking to an HR leader. Say, hey, this sounds great. I love the idea, but my managers aren't. Maybe may not be sure about this. How do I approach them about that? So, so this this is a mindset, and this is a, a culture that the manager has have to accept and to live and also to buy in. And this starts with the CEO of the company. So the CEO has to set this mindset of people and has also to follow this. And I can understand that the manager wants to hold all the um, high performer because the manager is only as good as people are. But um, on the other hand, if um, he let people go and it's a very flexible system, he will also get good talents back in his team. And I've seen a lot of big, also really conservative companies in Europe that have this mindset already for 20 years and all the managers are helping and supporting the people to, to develop. And um, again, this, this starts with the CEO, and he needs to is responsible for setting this, this mindset and the culture. Excellent. 
Excellent. This reminds me, we actually just put together a great infographic with Lumess that's going to be coming out um, very soon. I'll make sure the link is in the show notes. You can download it and check it out. But one of the data points in there ties in with this conversation. It's from some research that was done by the Institute for Corporate Productivity, and they looked at this, this concept. They actually called it talent hoarding. So people that just, you know, those managers that won't let it go, you know, they're, they're holding on for all they're worth. And they actually came to the conclusion in the research that talent hoarding is bad for the business because high-performing companies are more likely to prioritize the movement of talent into and throughout the organization, whereas low-performing companies are more likely to say, eh, it doesn't really matter. So there's some research to kind of back up that this isn't just a, a nice idea or just a, you know, a pie-in-the-sky kind of thing. There's actual research that, that points to business value for firms that actually make this priority. So just a, a, a neat point. One other thing that this reminds me of, um, there's a company called uh, Tata Consultancy Systems. Systems or services. Now I should know that off the top of my head, and I can't remember. TCS, anyway. And uh, one of the things they do in their practice is they encourage every employee, regardless of where you are in the organization, to be open about their aspirations. That way it's not taboo. Managers aren't, you know, go back to the manager conversation. The managers are supposed to be pulling this out of the employee and encouraging them at all times. What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you like? And always encouraging that career development aspect. And it's really neat when you look at their hierarchy of the organization because the CEO the CFO and the CTO were all started the company as trainees years ago, and because they prioritized that movement throughout the organization so much, all of those people have risen to these senior executive roles through the company. It's just a great success story and a good example of how this can work. You know, it's not just you know one person that, that makes a neat story, but all three of those key leaders in the company grew up through the ranks because they prioritized that and they made it just uh, a part of the culture. They made it, you know. Uh, like you said, Carson, they said, this is not negotiable. This is a part of who we are, and you have to get on board with this, or we'll find someone who will. And, and so because they were very open and transparent about that, they were able to, to be successful. So There's a neat story of how kind of talent ability can work long-term and not just be a, a short-term patch or just a neat idea or a fad. It, there's some value to it long-term. It'd be easy, it'd be interesting to see um, what the outcome of that business was based on the mobility and the support and what they've done with their um, employees, right? Mm -hmm. To say how that how how has that affected their bottom line? Because I'm sure that it's affected it positively. When you think about all of the the tribal knowledge and the information that mm -hmm. someone has in their head mm -hmm. when they when they start out in that kind of role and they and they continue to grow, um, it's amazing. One of the one of the stories I love to tell. There's a there's a company here in the U.S. called Scripps Health, and the CEO started out as a security guard there years ago, became the security manager, you know, head of security, and then eventually became the CEO. And because he worked his way up through that, he understands these different jobs throughout the company because he did them. And he can have conversations with people saying, you know, hey, I know this isn't pleasant, but here's how I here's how I handle it. Or he can have those very frank, down to earth discussions with people, and it's not feeling like someone from on high that doesn't understand me. Again, a little off topic, but let's bring it back a little bit because there was a there's one other study. If you can't tell my research nut, there's one other study that I think is interesting to this discussion. So. A guy named uh, Matthew Bidwell did a research study at Wharton a couple years ago, and he was able to show that when we hire someone externally, that typically, typically, their performance ratings are lower 
and they cost up to 20% more than if we would have filled that with an internal person. And that seems like it's a good case for promotions, lateral assignments, cross-training, you know, the conversation we're talking about here about developing people and growing them up through the companies. I'm curious what you think about this. There's, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer, but why are companies more likely to take that risk to, to seek someone outside or to offer higher pay when they, they have a pool of people internally? Um, is it just an old mindset? Is it you know, uh, faulty thinking? I'm just kind of curious what your opinion is on that. Okay, so um, of course the performance, I would say having a lot of data of the internal people is of course um, a positive, positive thing, but of course sometimes you don't have um, only positive, a positive assessment, you also see some of the needs and or some of the areas where it's probably not so strong in, and um, instead of developing the people, um, and we have, I, I work together with companies um, where people will stay in certain positions for two years only and then they move on. So also the answer to the question before is um, a manager knows that the people will stay uh, for two years only and then another will follow. Um, so there is the rule that they will move on um, independent how good or bad they were in this, in this function. But um, with all this data um, the company collects, uh, they see of course also a risk with internal people, people and I think their potential is probably not good enough or um, there's some risk moving them into the position and they're not really sure about this and if they if they go outside uh, they have less information and uh, the people that, that, that are coming into the company seems to be so you see more the positive side and you are missing the the, 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 the development needs and uh, also a lot of the interviews are not um, good enough really to expose the areas where uh, some of the guys kind of can struggle. And then they also look on the CV and they say, oh, it's a great guy, you work for this company, this company, he must be, must be really uh, uh, very perfect for the position. And but what they completely forget is that the people need a lot of time to, to learn the organization and uh, to learn how to be effective within the organization. And um, this costs a lot of money and it takes also one or two years before the companies see that uh, this guy is probably not so genius uh, as expected. So um, this is something really I don't understand because um, bottom line, um, if you have people who are committed and engaged within the company, they create a higher output in the organization. And also um, a high attrition rate, people that leave, you leave a lot of knowledge, you leave, um, you leave you're, you're losing a lot of uh, yeah, money because uh, there is value with, with, with this knowledge and um, by giving them opportunities and also the people see that the organization is investing in yourself, you will have people that are higher committed and more engaged and this will create a higher business outcome. And if you see that people are also key positions or positions are filled from people of, uh, outside, it will probably motivate you as a talent also to, to leave the company because you don't believe that the company develops their own people and believes in their own people. Yeah, and I, I think from a U.S. perspective, and, and Ben, we're looking at it this way, a lot of people, in order for them to think about mobility, they, they think they have to go external, right? So they always put themselves out there. They're, 
going to LinkedIn, um, they're putting themselves out there, they're getting their friends and they're getting their people in their network to make references on their LinkedIn, right? And then when they do a reference check too, it's always about what they've achieved, always talking about achievements, not the areas of need. Um, so I think traditionally a lot of people are comfortable just doing that. That's what they know and that's, that's the way we've always done things. I definitely think it's a, a, a mind shift for U.S. companies to also say, okay, let's look at the internal guys. And right now, a massive topic in, in our, our market is, is learning, is getting that curated learning out there, getting that learning and getting that development into our internal because they're, they're starting to understand, hey, our internal employees are really are our assets. And we really need to start to invest in them. We really need to have those hard conversations where um, we talk about your strengths, but we also talk about your needs, right? And where can we help develop you? Where can we help put you, make you the best you you can be? And um, companies are looking at it, but it's really hard when it's a HR group that's pushing it and, and it doesn't have the employees or the managers pushing it. So I think that's why we also need to have that shift from the CEOs down, right, the C-level pushing, what's the importance, where are we going with this. We really need to start looking at our internal talent pool versus external. Um, we need to look at how this affects our bottom line. We need to tie this into revenue. We need to be able to talk about this in HR so we can understand how it hits our profit chain. So most of the companies still think people from outside are already ready to move into the position and they are probably not willing to take the risk or the investment in people to develop them onto this position even if they are not ready now to fulfill the positions by 100%. And this is a big mistake uh, because um, you take also a risk that the external guy is not performing as you were expecting. Mm -hmm. Excellent. I think that's. Uh, I need to cut that section out and send it to all my friends that are in HR. Because <laughs> that's the best example, or the best, uh, I guess, the best argument for why people make those decisions, even if it's a poor decision. Um, but going back to, to Carson's point, we have more data on those internal people. We see their flaws or weaknesses, and we assume that those are greater than the ones in a in that you know purple unicorn special outside candidate that we're considering because we just don't yet know enough about them to accurately judge what their weaknesses are. They're only presenting to their strengths. They're only sharing the things that they've accomplished and succeeded at. And, and so we're missing out in that full picture. So that's a really good, really good um, point. And Laura, to your, your, your point about you know, people as assets, the story I always come back to, there was a, there's a company called World Bank Group and a couple of years ago, they had a hiring freeze on, and they were they were trying to figure out you know the work still has to get done even if we can't hire people, and so they created this thing that I call their internal eBay for talents, where you could go in and if you're a you know a sales leader like yourself, you could go in and help out. Hey, marketing needs some help with this thing. They need a, someone that understands the buyer mindset. You could opt into that project and put yourself out there and say, hey, I've got two hours a week I can help with that, or I've got five hours a week I can contribute to this other thing. And so people started supporting other projects throughout the business in this, this kind of talent community they had put together. And when the hiring freeze was over, they realized, wait a minute, that was so valuable, we don't want to stop it because people were getting developed, 
They were getting new experience. They were excited. These, these other managers throughout the organizations were like, I didn't have to hire somebody else. I didn't have to you know, outsource this or bring on a consultant because we had the internal resources once we started looking internally first. And that goes back to your point, Laura, about really looking at the assets that are already on hand instead of assuming you know, we're, we're already full up. We have to find someone else or find another resource or, or try to go externally to look this up because it's, it's not always the case. Um, Okay. Well, and it's giving people the opportunity to grow their skills, right? That isn't necessarily within their career path, um, but it gives them that opportunity to to say, hey, I wouldn't mind looking at what's over there and support if they need help with this or marketing or or what have you, depending on what your career path is. So I think having it open um, and having an area where it's more of a collaboration um, and you can have task force, you can have projects, you can put whatever you want in it, but having everyone with the the same information of that uh, organization working towards the same objectives, but understanding there's going to be different people pulling on it and different skill sets um, for you to be able to bring bring what needs to get done to the to the finish line. You know, that's a there's one last thing in that that example that I that I gave just now that ties in exactly with that too. Um, so. Again, looking back at the far end of the process, after they had already been successful with this, they said, you know, what changed? Because going back to the manager conversation a minute ago, they said, normally people would have been like, this is my developer, this is my graphic designer, this is my, you know, whatever, and I can't share this talent with everybody else. But something changed. You know, part of, you know, um, everybody's in this, this challenge together, so they all kind of banded together. But they, they said there was a shift in the mindset where people were seen not as resources to be hoarded and to be, you know, cordoned off from the rest of the organization. This is this is ours, you go find your own. But they said these people were corporate assets that could be shared, their strengths could be leveraged anywhere in the organization. And again, the people that were being used were having not maybe not the right term, but the people that had the opportunity to participate in this were incredibly engaged and excited because they were able to leverage those strengths. And again, we know from all the research that Buckingham and others have done on, on playing to your strengths, it's an incredible value for the business to be able to do that. It's, it's valuable for the person, and it's really just a great motivator to be able to say, instead of focusing on those two or three things I can't do well, let's focus on these ten things that I can do well and look for ways to give me more opportunities to do those. So that was just a, a yep. neat story, and it all wraps wraps that up very well. Um, we're just about. Well, to, I think it also gives you more of a, a better rating, right? An employer rating if your employees are happy. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. There. Again, there's there are so many positives to it, and it's that's why it surprises me sometimes that this is. Sometimes I'm pushing people to have this conversation because it's it's new or different or something they haven't considered or they're not sure or they're not sure how their managers or their executives are going to respond. And I'm like, there are very, I mean, there are so many upsides. It's hard to it's hard to have an argument against it. It's hard to to push back against um, the conversation and to to say this isn't a good idea because there are so many great stories of people that have been successful. There are so many positive benefits to putting a piece of technology in place that can support this. Um, and so it, it's just one of those things where I'm, I'm, I'm always kind of banging this drum, trying to push this this envelope a little bit because I think it's so important and it's such a valuable practice for HR leaders that really want to be seen not just as those administrative compliance-oriented kind of people, but as real enablers of business success. If we're going to contribute to a successful organization, 
you know, we have the, the largest line item under our purview, the people, and we have a chance to really engage and, and drive that performance. And, and so taking that by the reins and, and really doing that is seems like it would be the easiest thing to do. There's a lot to it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, before we finish up, I wanted to ask you guys, is there anything specific you'd, that uh, any other comments you'd like to make, anything else you'd like to touch on before we wrap up today? No, I mean, I think we covered off a, 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 lot, a lot within this topic. I think that um, the paper that's going to be produced is, is going to cover this too and really go more in depth into the, the research and, and the backing behind really why we even built our technology the way we built it. And um, I'm just really excited to um, engage with customers and, and clients and prospects that are ready to take on um, making and, and giving their employees this type of um, talent mobility. Absolutely. And the, the technology at the end is an enabler, but also the company needs to do a great change management to make this happen. So the technology won't assure by 100% that it is successful um, as long as it, don't go in hand, it doesn't go hand in hand with, with the change management, yeah. the change of the mindset. Excellent. Excellent. Again, as Laura kind of alluded to, if you enjoyed this preview, we have an upcoming webinar um, Lighthouse and Lumets are putting on, and we're going to explore this topic in more detail. We're going to talk about some really interesting stories. We're also going to be doing a, a research paper that digs into some of those the studies, the stats, and things that we talked about here uh, briefly, and we're going to dive really deep into those so you understand the why behind that. We'll also look at how to connect this, this concept of talent ability with employee engagement which is then connected into all kinds of wonderful organizational outcomes like retention, revenue, innovation, really just a great conversation. I can't wait to, to, check, to share that with you guys. Um, the link to that webinar will be in the show notes, so you're welcome to check that out. Sign up, register, check the, check the webinar out. And again, if you do that, you'll automatically get the, the paper sent to you. Um, Laura and the team will take care of that. I just want to thank you both, Karsten and Laura, for taking some time today. Thank you for coming on. This has a, been a wonderful conversation. I've enjoyed it. I've been making notes over here too, uh, <laughs> learning from this as well, just, uh, just like I know everybody else out there is. This has been a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. Even for German. <laughs> thank you, Ben. Excellent. And everybody else out there, thank you again for listening to We're Only Human. This has been Eubanks, and I'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to We're Only Human with Ben Eubanks on the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network. To learn more and to listen to the show archives for We're Only Human and all the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network shows, go to www.h3hr.com. And remember to subscribe to the HR Happy Hour Network podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast player app.